everything in our faith, everything in our world, whether it's harmonious, whether we understand it or not, whether it's, you know, um, something we can easily observe or study or not, all of it is being brought to us and, and being brought to our awareness and all of it is existing and living because God is allowing it to, causing it to. So I don't know if I've talked about this before, but <clears throat> I'm I'm Polish and Czech primarily uh, in my background, and so I really like meeting you know other people who are Polish and Czech and hearing about them. And uh, interestingly enough, I just met someone who's Polish who's a sound technician, and then I also met a Czech one too. Czech one two, Czech one two. Hey everybody, welcome. That. I am really Polish and Czech, so I just really love that joke. Uh, welcome to episode 150. If this is your first time listening, we start every episode with a dad joke. And so if you enjoyed that, you're welcome. And please leave a great rating and a review, especially if this is your first time. It helps other people find it. If you didn't like it, don't bother. But if you've listened to this podcast for a while and you have not yet rated and reviewed us, please do that. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you visit us on our website, manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out. You can find all of our other content there. We do a weekly blog, uh, another weekly podcast on the gospel, and this uh, um, these episodes every Saturday uh, on the second reading. And so we'd love to have you on there commenting, join our email list, you know, whatever it is, uh, and that would be really great. And while you're there, click on the Patreon tab, and you can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month, and that helps the podcast stay on the air. So thank you for all of you who have been doing that. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. That little plug ties to my joy, which is from uh, one of our patrons, Debbie, who sent me a really lovely, wonderful message um, on uh, the Patreon, uh, I don't know what you call it, platform. Uh, and it was just really wonderful to hear about uh, you, Debbie, and your family and your friends and all the people you've shared the podcast with and how much you're enjoying it. So shout out to all of you. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing that with me. It really brightened my day. So I appreciate it. Uh, my junk is, okay, let me tell you, I, <laughs> we had a huge, full, beautiful weekend of ministry here at the parish. I mean, there was two funerals, uh, several baptisms, a wedding, a quinceanera. I ran a whole day RCIA retreat while most of that was going on. We had all our normal five masses, at one of which we had an RCIA ritual. Uh, we had a huge parish pre-Lenten retreat that I gave a talk at um, Sunday afternoon. And so all of that happened in the span of like a weekend um, and was all really great. But Saturday, as I was uh, cleaning up from the RCIA retreat and I was I was running around I had a cart and I had a bunch of stuff on it that I unloaded and I was bringing the cart back to the main meeting area and I had a bin on it that had some rocks in it. So I was like, oh, this doesn't go in my office. I need to bring it back. And I uh, got a little gung-ho with the cart. I tried to kind of Superman surf on the cart. Like, you know, when you run, kind of like when you run with a shopping cart really fast and then you kind of like prop your foot up on it and you can just kind of glide. So I tried to do that with the cart and the cart kind of tipped forward and gave way and I crashed this cart like marvelously. Uh, the rocks went everywhere. It made the loudest noise I think I've ever made or could possibly try to make. And uh, luckily caused no damage to uh, the building or myself. I mean, I'm a little bruised, but um, the great thing is that we have a security camera and I'm waiting on the video clip of, uh, of that really wonderful blunder. So, um, yeah, but that was it was junk in the sense that I like really bruised my shoulder 
But otherwise, uh, I'm good. My Jesus moment, apart from that whole beautiful full weekend of ministry, um, was at the afternoon retreat at the end. Uh, there's a woman who goes to our parish periodically or regularly. I'm not really sure, but um, I haven't seen her for quite a while. Um, but she's a very faithful woman, very, very spirit-filled and very uh, generous. And she's helped me in the past with some things when I was in youth ministry and wanting to invest in certain teens and help them uh, get to certain youth conferences or things like that. And uh, she's just really wonderful. And so um, I saw her for the first time in, in a while after this event. And she came up to me and she said, you know, like, I've known you for a long time, but something's different. Like, the spirit has filled you in a new way. And like, tell me what you did. I want to do it. And I, it was really, I didn't really know what to tell her because it was just, you know, it's more of what I ended up saying was something along the lines of, I think it's more of a slow, it's been a slow process, you know, in, in small surrenders each and every day rather than some big retreat or aha moment, you know. But um, the thing that really blessed me and really struck me was just that she noticed that and would articulate that to me because I think we all have people that we see like, oh, like the Holy Spirit's alive and at work in them and they're really <clears throat> animated and really joyful. And I think it's hard to see ourselves that way or be able to ascertain as to whether or not we are exuding like the joy of the gospel uh, and if other people are perceiving that. And not that it's for our own glory or that we have to like, that we're supposed to be forcing that. No, by no means. But I think it's just a hard thing to gauge like, is am I living my life in such a way that my faith is attractive to others and is inspiring others? Because that's really the goal for all of us. And it was just really nice to hear that she had noticed that. So um, big thank you to her. Her name's Denise. So um, yeah, it was a blessing to me. So uh, that's my joy, junk, and Jesus. Let's get into our episode this week. As always, we read through the second reading for this upcoming Sunday. And our second reading comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Now, um, I'm not going to preface this because it kind of ties into uh, my interpretation of this passage and my, my theme for the episode this week. So this is just Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he says this, Brothers and sisters, through one man sin entered the world, and through sin death. And thus death came to all men, inasmuch as all sinned. For up to the time of the law, sin was in the world, though sin is not accounted when there is no law. But death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin, after the pattern of the trespass of Adam, who is the type of the one who was to come. But the gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many? And the gift is not like the result of the one who sinned. For after one sin, there was the judgment that brought condemnation, but the gift, after many transgressions, brought acquittal. For if by the transgression of the one, death came to reign through that one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of justification come to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? In conclusion, just as through one transgression, condemnation came upon all, so through one righteous act, acquittal and life came to all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, 
you're probably thinking what I'm thinking when I first read that. Uh, what? Excuse me? What did you say, St. Paul? It sounds like you are trying to write an essay or a paragraph with a certain word count, and you're just repeating words and adding fancier words and saying the same thing over and over again. And uh, nothing against St. Paul or the, the Book of Romans, but this section, uh, you know, Paul sometimes has a thing for, like, run-on sentences or run-on ideas. And, you know, this is, like, seven verses, and it's, you know, I don't know, maybe five or six sentences, but there's there's a lot in here. And basically what Paul is saying is through one man, sin entered the world, and that was Adam. And through one man, Jesus Christ, justification and salvation came for all of us. And he says that basically a bunch of different ways. And so essentially what he's saying is however great sin and suffering are as a result of the fall, God's grace is even greater through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and through his resurrection. That's, that's the simple thing. And in reading that and trying to digest it for you, it just reminded me of the fact that we can overcomplicate things very easily. And, and I do think there's areas in, in the letters of St. Paul or in Scripture in general where things are written in a very convoluted way. And I get, you know, I get the Old Testament has its historical context and it might be harder for us to understand just because we don't get the culture. But the New Testament, yes, it was a long time ago, but the language is a little more... Uh, you know, relatable, you know, at least in the translations, but it's easier to translate uh, much of that stuff in, that was originally in Greek than a lot of that ancient Hebrew, uh, because we just miss a lot of the things that, that um, happen in the Hebrew language with the way it's written and all the symbology in it and stuff like that. So um, not to overcomplicate things, because that's my whole point, is that even then, sometimes it gets very, very, very complicated. And in one sense, you know, theology has room for that because we really want to put these questions about God and the universe under a microscope to the point that we really understand all that we can about God and his revelation in Jesus Christ. But the, the trap, the pitfall can come when we get caught up in that, when our, our, our faith or our religion or our salvation or our idea of God is caught up in the knowledge or in the questions or in the, the complicated system or intricate kind of theological concepts and questions that we can grapple about. But in essence, the faith is simple. Jesus is simple. Salvation is simple. God is simple. Now, this is, this is what I'm not saying. God is not simple to understand. I'm not saying that. This has to do with, uh, you know, a quality of God called divine simplicity, okay? That does not mean that God is simple to understand. In fact, it says in the Catechism, it's a quote from St. Augustine, it says, if you can understand it, it is probably not God. And like in Isaiah 55, I quote this all the time, you know, God himself says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God is infinitely more massive and mysterious and complex than we can understand. But what it means, the, the doctrine of divine simplicity, it means that God is simple in the sense that he's the foundation of all reality. Like when you whittle everything down to its most simplest, there is God. And so it, it, at a church council in 1215, the Fourth Lateran Council, they began their confession, the confession of the council, their confession of faith, by saying this. They said, we firmly believe and simply confess that there is only one true God, eternal and immeasurable, almighty, unchangeable, incomprehensible, and ineffable, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
three persons, but one absolutely simple essence, substance, or nature. The massive complexity of our universe obviously shows God's power. But the orderly way in which it all continues to coexist is evidence of his simplicity, not that the fact that the universe is simple or easy to understand, meaning that there is a kind of simple rule or foundation to all of it that is God. So this might be a hard thing to, to comprehend, but when we, these omni words that we use about God, that he's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, omnipotent means he's all powerful. If he wasn't all-powerful, he wouldn't be able to have created the universe. Omniscient means he's all-knowing. If he wasn't all-knowing, he wouldn't have been able to design the, the universe with such intelligence and order that it creates life. But his omnipresence, that means he is present everywhere in all things, that anything that has life has life because God is present in it and willing it into existence. So his presence is how everything works. And so when you think about like the very beginning of the universe— there's a little a little bit of astrophysics here for you, but when the universe, as the Big Bang, Bang Theory says, uh, in the beginning when the universe was in a hot, dense state, I mean, the entire density of the universe and, and, and everything that we know as space and matter and time was compressed to like a microscopic, uh, very ultra-dense um, level. And... This was before the existence of protons, neutrons, electrons, the things that form atom, atoms, and in, in fact, the things that exist below that, the even smaller, the gluons and the quarks that come together to make protons and neutrons and things like that. This is before they could even bind together. It was just this dense mess of heat and, you know, the, the, the fundamental things that would eventually come together to create life. In all of that... God is the one who simply caused all things to be. That him uttering the words of creation, uttering creation into existence, infuses his very essence, his simplicity, his divine nature into creation to cause it to be. And so, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm really articulating what I'm trying to say here, but this is like, imagine an orchestra. And an orchestra can play a massively intricate piece of, of music and it can sound together and in complete harmony. Or it can play vastly intricate things but sound in total disharmony because none of the instruments are listening to each other or even playing the same song. And so that's kind of like our universe. When you look around, like some things are chaotic and in the beginning it was very, you know, disharmonious. It was just hot and dense and there was no real like harmony or order and then you know creation the big bang happens and creation folds out and what happens through the the plan of god and through his creative effort he creates the world brings the universe into order and into this intricately and intelligently designed system that allows for life to be created and in that there is harmony but in both orchestra scenarios the fundamental simplicity of both is that both of them are are happening because instrument uh, musicians are breathing most of them breathing into their instrument and so music is what is 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 happening what we see or experience but the simplicity the foundation of all of it is the breath the air moving through the instruments or how certain 
picks or mallets are moving through the air to create sound and bring it to our ears. So all of it, whether it's harmonious or chaotic, whether it sounds good or bad, it's all sound traveling through the air, through the power of air. And in the same way, everything in our faith, everything in our world, whether it's harmonious, whether we understand it or not, whether it's you know um, something we can easily observe or study or not, all of it is being brought to us and, and being brought to our awareness and all of it is existing and living because God is allowing it to, causing it to. This is why like in Exodus chapter 3, when God reveals his name, there's so much theology we can draw from this. When, when Moses asks him, if I go to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people go and he asks, you know, who sent you? Who do I say sent me? And God reveals his name to Moses. He says, I am who am. Essentially saying, I am the sheer act of to be itself. I am existence. I am that which causes things to be. I am the simple foundational element of all reality. And what's great about that name is that when you, uh, you know, in Hebrew, I am who am is et asheret yet. And when you abbreviate it, when you write out Hebrew, you write out the letters yod he vav he, which is where we get the word Yahweh. But those letters in themselves are all breathing syllables in Hebrew. So Yahweh is actually a way we have learned to pronounce that, but it's not how it would really have been pronounced because Yod is Yod, He, Faf, He. So saying the name of God is literally breathing. Yohivai. Like that, that is closer to the actual name that God reveals to Moses than the word Yahweh. That's just how we've kind of made it more pronounceable. And what I love about all of this, you guys, like how overcomplicated sometimes we get things and how God is just simple, is just thinking about that fact that God is this underlying sense of all reality. He is like, this is why in Hebrew, uh, the word for spirit is ruah, the breath of God is what it means. That literally breath, air, oxygen, God's simple essence causing all things to be present in all things that have life, willing them into existence in every moment means that God is just that. He's that simple foundational piece of reality. He's not far away. He's not distant. He's here. He's simple. He's, yes, far beyond our grasp in terms of our understanding, and yet he is right here causing us to be simple, tangible. He is nearer to you than you are to yourself. If you think about um, like molecular biology, when you look at a molecule, through a microscope, like a proton and a neutron, they're in the center of the molecule or however many protons and neutrons in the nucleus. And then in some big electron cloud are these electrons floating around. But most of an atom, like 90 some percent of it is empty space. And you are made of atoms and molecules. And so that means 90% plus of you is empty space. And yet God is willing all of that into existence, present in all of it. So he is closer to us than we are to ourselves. He is in between and exists in between the atoms and molecules of our bodies. So the distance between one atom and another atom in your body is further than the distance that God is to all of you, every atom in your body. He's in every breath. He's in everything that has life. You cannot lose him. You cannot go off to find him. You just simply maybe need to sit and breathe. Be reminded of that simple presence of God and listen. And so I guess what I'm trying to say here, brothers and sisters, is that at times when life or faith 
seems just so complicated and difficult to take a deep breath, experience that that is the presence of God, the name of God literally on your lips, within your lungs, in every soul and not every, in every cell of your body, and in between every single atom and molecule, in all of the empty space around us and within us, God is there, willing you into existence, not forgetting you, but present to you and in it with you. And no matter how complicated, dense, mysterious, confusing a situation, a relationship, uh, a difficulty, or even our relationship with God can be, he is ultimately simple because he is the simple foundational aspect of all of reality. He is so unbelievably present to you and we do not even realize it. And so this idea that like, oh, I've kind of lost my relationship with God. I need to, I need to go find God again. Like, no, he's not, you're not going to find him like in a shoebox in your closet. Like he's here. We are the ones who get lost in our own mind, who don't listen, who don't sit and breathe him in and sit in his presence and recognize no matter where I go. Like scripture says, where can I run from your spirit? Nowhere. Because you are everywhere, Lord. You are in all things causing all things to be simultaneously, willing me into existence in this very moment. And because of that, brothers and sisters, no matter how complicated things get, no matter how much it feels like you might want to give up, the fact that you exist and you're hearing this right now means that God has not forgotten about you. It means he's willing you into existence in this moment for a purpose. It means he's not done with you yet. There is still more that he wants to do in you and through you, still more ways he wants to pour his love and his grace and his blessing upon you even if things look bleak or difficult right now. And so as we're journeying through this Lenten season, I want to encourage you to know that God is with you. And though sacrifice can be difficult, and Lent kind of is that season when it, when it rains, it pours, and things can really be trying to throw us off our game, and the devil is really trying to distract us from deepening our relationship with God, know that he is simple, he's not complicated, and he is with you. That's all I have for you this week, my brothers and sisters. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.